Hello, everyone. This is Twyla, your host of Divorce Talk with Twyla, broadcasting live each week on Mondays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Radio Network Studios right here at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Log on to hear candid and transparent conversations with some amazing, dynamic guests as it relates to divorce topics. We're going to talk about co-parenting, dating after divorce, remarrying after divorce, and much more. So be sure to log on each week on Mondays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time to catch Divorce Talk with Twyla. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in. the front gate his headlights burning down a Friday night Southern Bell statue standing in the screen door watching her whole world head for an old Ford with a man that can look her in the eye then I arrive to him big hug jump in
Hello, everyone. This is Twyla, the host of Divorce Talk with Twyla. I am an author, speaker, radio host, and life coach. Coach Twyla, the Get Your Happy Back Divorce Coach. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. Today's show is Let's Do Co-Parenting the Right Way. Wow, that's powerful, right? That is awesome. So have you asked yourself, how can we be successful co-parents? Have you ever asked yourself that? Well, listen, I've been there, but I believe some of us have asked that question and at some point through our divorce journey. And listen, so we're going to just jump right in. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a phenomenal guest and let's just welcome my special guest, Miss Andrea Hips. She is a certified divorce coach. Let's welcome her to Divorce Talk with Twyla. Andrea, how are you today? I'm doing so great, Twyla. So great to be with you and to be talking about this fantastic topic tonight. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Andrea, why don't you just introduce yourself to the listening audience and we'll just dive right on in on this subject tonight. Sounds great. Yes, like you said, I'm a certified divorce coach, a licensed social worker, and I'm the author of the book, The Best Worst Time of Your Life, Four Practices That You Paint Divorce. And I work with people all along the divorce continuum, from people who are figuring out do I or don't I, to those who are in the messy middle and can't figure out which way is up, to those who are even five and ten years out of divorce. I help them clean up their divorce debris so that they can make beautiful two-address families, and I'm super passionate about doing it. Oh, yes, I know. I know when you and I had a conversation, I could tell that was your passion about helping people be successful in the co-parenting arena. And, you know, for me, uh, Andrea, I was not very successful initially. I'm a divorcee, of course. Everyone that comes on this show, including myself as the host, we all have one thing in common, and that is we've all been divorced. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and club we don't want to be a part of, but somehow we are. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. So we're here tonight to help people be better co-parents. So let's let me ask you, what do you believe are some misconceptions as it relates to co-parenting? You know, one of the misconceptions about co-parenting, honestly, is co-parenting itself. Because co-parenting, co-parenting means with, with. Co means with. It means we are parenting in a way that is together. And most people that I talk to after divorce don't really want to do much together. They've been hurt. They've just been through a long and exhausting legal process to dissolve their marriage. They've seen the worst sides of their partner and, frankly, the worst sides of themselves. And this idea that they're going to immediately, when they're handed divorce papers, move into best friends land and let's do great for the kids land is really does a disservice to people. I think it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on them when they're already in a place of tremendous pressure. Uh, yes. That is absolutely right. I like what you said. Like, they're going to be best friends. And, you know, um, let's uh, put a pin right here. For, I'm going to tell a little bit about my journey and story as it relates to co-parenting. So uh, when I got divorced, Andrea, um, of course, I initiated the divorce. However, oh, he and I were not best friends in the marriage. So we definitely weren't best friends outside <laughs> of the marriage. <laughs> 
point. <laughs> so you hit the nail on the head when you said people have a misconception. You're just going to be this best friend. No. So after about two and a half or three years of the struggle and as far as the divorce um, with he and I, we it became better and easier over time, but it definitely did not it, uh, go there overnight. We, like I said, we weren't best friends. So it was tough. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to see him, let alone uh, discuss anything as related to our son together. So that is so true. A lot of people believe that, and that doesn't happen. It's not realistic, right? Right, and I think it helps people to feel, you, already when you go through divorce, I know when I went through my own divorce about a decade ago, you, you feel a little bit like a failure. You know, you feel like, okay, this this adult task of being married, I, I kind of missed the mark. I'm now having to move into some un, unwanted and uncharted territory, so I already feel bad enough about myself. When you add on that I'm now not performing at this, what everyone says is the most important thing to do after your divorce, which is to co-parent well, it sort of piles on the failure. And so really what I encourage people to do as a first step is to stop co-parenting and as a next step to realize that the best parents to children who have experienced divorce are individually healthy people. Mm. The most important thing you can do, which I guarantee you did, Twyla, because of who I know you to be now, mm -hmm. is dive into what is keeping me from becoming the most healthy version of myself as it relates to not only myself, but also to relating to my former partner, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Work on you. Stop co-parenting. And just uh, self-care is so important during a divorce, right? So you got to be healthy yourself as an individual. So I love that, Andrea. That's awesome. So um, what are some of the things that you recommend how we can improve our co-parenting relationship? I say we, I'm no longer in that space, but right. the listeners that are, and I'm sure yeah. there are several of, of people that are, men and women alike. So if you want to dive in on that one, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I think the, the biggest thing that people can do is start to learn what their triggers are and start to figure out ways to resolve those triggers that don't involve their former partner. For example, when I uh, was recovering from my own divorce, one of my triggers was uh, a, a sense of relatedness. So I wanted to feel like I belonged. So when my former partner started dating someone else, who had kids, mm. I all of a sudden felt like, well, now they're the family. And, and I'm the one over here being the separate one. And that really triggered feelings in me of like, I don't belong. And I don't like this feeling of not belonging. And I need to start controlling what that looks like for me, right? So what's your first thing you want to do? Call up the co-parent. Say, hey, mm. I don't like what's going on here. We need to start doing more family dinners. We need to start getting together more often so that I'm not on the outside. And I don't like how you guys are doing all these things. And I'm not able to do those things. And right, we, we get into the argument with the co-parent. What I do now is go, huh, I have a trigger. I don't feel like I belong. What are the things that I can do right now that would help advance my sense of belonging? And I'll tell you what I did. When one of those kids of my of my former partner's new girlfriend, when when one of her kids had a birthday party and I was invited, mm -hmm. it was a it was a cake war. Actually, it was one of my daughter's birthdays. Now that I remember it, and we did the cupcake wars. And I made sure that her child was on my team. 
Hmm. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to handle the trigger of feeling like I belong Mm -hmm. myself. And the more I made memories with him and the more we created memories together, the more I was going to feel like I belong, even if I wasn't spending as much time with them. So really learning what your triggers are is important. And if you want, I can go into sort of what the five triggers are that we commonly um, yes, please do. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the first one is your sense of status. And that just means uh, whether or not you perceive yourself to be a good parent or uh, the person who knows what she's doing, whatever that is, it's your sense of status. So if your former partner says uh, you're not a very good mother, the temptation is to argue with them and prove to them that you are in fact a good mother. Mm. The right thing to do from a healthy co-parenting stage is to not engage the conversation and to reassure yourself that you are a good parent regardless of what they say. Second big trigger, certainty. We want to know what's going on and we want to be controlling what's going on. And we don't like it when other people are messing with us. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And so so when those triggers happen, we typically want to demand a schedule and we want to demand everybody show up and do the thing that we said we would do and come on, I'm counting on you. And that person's not going to take orders from you if they ever did. And so how do you get certainty in a situation where you don't have any? You start to plan around it. Mm. The next trigger is autonomy, which is just the feeling that you can do what you want to do without anybody um, getting in your way, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you want to plan a vacation and you want to buy the tickets because the tickets are on sale. And you text your co-parent, I'm thinking about going on vacation. Do these dates work? And you don't hear anything. And the next day you don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden you lose the great ticket prices that you had. And then you're frustrated and you're like, come on. All I need is for you to answer the text. It was a simple question. Look at your calendar, right? Instead, and resolving that trigger yourself is to totally ask it differently. I'm buying tickets tonight. Here are the dates. If I don't hear back from you by 8 p.m., I'm going to go ahead and move forward. Right? Yes. We take that back for ourselves so that we're not putting ourselves in a place where they're controlling our situation. The last two, one is relatedness, which again is that sense of belonging, which I just described. And then the last one is fairness. And this comes up a lot in divorce oh. because everything is unfair. <laughs> Nothing is fair. <laughs> and, uh, and again, we, when things aren't unfair, I had to pay more for this. You didn't show up for this. I had to take on this hard thing. You didn't do the hard thing. We don't resolve the trigger by going into a conversation with the co-parent. We resolve it by going into a conversation with ourselves. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Now, those are amazing. I I love all of them. And I found myself doing every one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Uh, Especially, especially uh, the certainty. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. Yes. I know with me and my situation, you talk about autonomy. Um, I recall a, a situation, the kids and I were planning a vacation, an international trip, and it was our first time, first trip after our divorce. I thought, we're going to do this. And so, obviously, we needed passports. And obviously, as my yes. son was a minor, <laughs> I needed to get my son's dad's approval, you know, right. to, so he could go out of the country. And so, right. I felt so horrible. I was like, this is not fair. Why do I have to ask him 
for his permission, basically, but it was court ordered. I could not take my son unless my ex-husband would approve. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I didn't think that was fair. I thought, I can do this myself. <laughs> right, right. Did you ultimately get to go? Yes, we did. Oh. We, we did go. <laughs> he signed okay. off on the paperwork. Of course, he had a million and one questions, and that made sure. me feel even worse because I thought, why do I even have to answer and, and answer all these questions you're asking me? But... I went along because I needed something from him, and that was him to sign off on that passport. (laughs) Well, and I'm just thinking in his case, you can also start to see where you going out of the country with his kids triggers all his certainty issues, right? Like, how can I trust this woman? How do I know she's going to come back? How do I know that, you know, this is going to be a safe experience? And so we're just constantly tripping each other's triggers. And the more we try to fix them with each other, the more we fail. The the secret is really in learning how to resolve those triggers without the other person being involved. Yes, that's awesome. Well, Andrea, we're going to take about a two or three minute break, and then we're going to come back to the show and talk more about co-parenting done right. Sounds great. Hang tight. Thank you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but that storm that was sent to break you... God's going to use it to make you. Come on. I don't know who needs to hear this, but life has tried to take you out. I don't know who needs to hear this, but realize this, he will always bring you out. I don't know who needs to hear this, the pain you're feeling is only going to make you strong. They left you. And it hurt. Somebody needs to know. This gonna work out. I know it will. It makes the impossible possible. I just need you to have enough faith to believe that that betrayal was a blessing. Every storm has a lesson. So I want you to stop stressing. This is God's plan. At the end of the day. I like that. Anybody ever been rejected? Give up. 
all working. Well, thank you, everyone. Welcome back to Divorce Talk with Twyla. Here with my special guest, Miss Andrea Hips, a certified divorce coach. Andrea, we are having an amazing conversation about co-parenting done right. Yes, you are the best, Twyla. And what I love about you is your story is so honest and so real about the struggle that most people have, which is, I don't want to be co-parenting with you. I didn't want to be married to you, and I also don't want to do this other part. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that. Uh, yes. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. It takes time. Divorce recovery is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It, it, You're absolutely it, right. Yes, it takes time, and that time could be different and probably is different for every single person. So as we transition, let's talk about the kids. I know we talked a little bit about the uh, spouses or the ex-spouses and uh, the five triggers, but what about the children? What do you think are some misconceptions as it relates to kids when it comes to the co-parenting and the ending the uh, marriage and moving on and what do you think are some things, misconceptions as it relates to the children? You know, I, I think the thing that people miss most in that is that kids only need three things from us. They need our love and affection. They need to see us handling our stress well. And they need to see us in a good relationship with their other parent. Mm -hmm. And this is true whether you're married or divorced. And when we move into uh, the two-address family, as I like to call it, after yeah. divorce, we were really typically pretty good at offering the love and affection. But on the tail end of a divorce, it's really hard to manage your stress well, and it is even harder to learn how to be in good relationship with their former partner. But when you boil it down to that, there's really no other to-do list than those three things with kids. And I think people can get really um, distracted by the many things that kids <laughs> put in front of us to deal with. But the, the truth is, if you can focus on those three things and really isolating what you need to become mm -hmm. in order to handle those well, you'll do a great, great service to your kids. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I love all of them. And, you know, the good relationship piece is key. That was that's so vital. They all are. But kids really need to see that because you know what when they grow up they're going to model what the parent taught them right or what they saw the parents doing right so that's right. so it, important yeah. if if a child grows up in a home where there's constant argument arguing and constant um, back and forth and all this toxic environment that's going to be rough for them that they may think that's the normal thing to do and that could cause issues in their relationships as they grow up to be adults so um i you know what andrea i'm glad you mentioned that because i made it a point i was very intentional when i went through my divorce to not bash it was tough oh my gosh sometimes i had to go uh, put my head in a pillow sometimes but <laughs> I, I really did my best to try not to bash my son's father in front of him you know I had some not so good words to say but <laughs> you know I tried to not do that in front of 
my son because he wanted a relationship with both of us. And to this day, he's grown now. He has a relationship. And I think um, if had I uh, talked bad about his dad and bashed him, oh, and whatever other worse words I could have used in front of my son, I believe he it may not, may could have turned out differently. So um, a lot of people may not understand how important that is. But y'all, if we're listening today, that is imperative to not do that in front of your children. As Andrea mentioned, a good relationship inside the marriage as well as outside of the marriage in a two-family home. Yeah, and, and when you think about how to go the long haul on not bad-mouthing or bashing, as you said, your, your child's other parent, one of the things that I found worked for me and that works for a lot of my clients is, and nobody wants to do it, mm -hmm. but it works, is starting a daily gratitude practice for your former partner. Oh, wow. Now, nobody wants to do that, right? You got gratitudes for the pretty weather and how fantastic your kid is and what vacation you're going to take, but very few of us would actively express gratitude for our child's other parent. And the more we can practice doing that on a regular basis, we're able to not only not say anything bad, but actually shock our own selves and start to even say something good mm -hmm. about our former partner, especially in front of our kids, which of course takes their anxiety and, and drops it way down. Oh yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so let me ask you this, if there are some people listening today and they're saying, you know what, I don't know how I can go to dinner with this man or woman, what what would you recommend? Because there are some different situations out there where some people are just not there yet, which that's okay. Because, like I mentioned earlier, it takes time to get there. But yes. what 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 would you recommend? Baby steps or make the first move? Like I always say, extend the olive branch. What 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 would you recommend, Andrea? You, you, you're totally right on that there is a, a profound amount of discomfort and awkwardness that goes into at least your first many gatherings as a two-address family. And, you know, Priya Parker wrote a great book called The Art of Gathering that I just love. And it's not about divorce. It's just about how do we come together well. And one of the things that her material speaks to that I have sort of taken and applied to divorce is the first thing you need to do before you gather is decide why you're gathering. Oh. So whether that's I want my kids to enjoy one and a half hours of time with both parents in the same room mm -hmm. or it's important to me that I not miss a Christmas so I'm going to invite them to our Christmas why are you motivated to get together in the first place? Because mm. I think sometimes that gets a little forced. Once you know the essence and the reason for your gathering, you can start making the gathering about something that works. So what do we actually enjoy doing together and what could we actually enjoy talking about together, right? When we get together, here are the topics I know don't make any of us comfortable. But maybe we could talk about grandma. Maybe we could talk about the dog. Maybe we could talk about, you go through and you yeah. sort of visually plan out when it gets silent and when it gets awkward, mm -hmm. this is yeah. my conversation topic. So we don't go in and just cross our fingers and hope for the best. We really take some advanced time and put some intention into it. And it's perfectly okay to say, I can't do it yet. 
Yeah. I mean, I can't do it yet is a fine answer. Yeah. Knowing where you want to be and stretching yourself to get there in sort of a 1% daily way is a far more natural approach than throwing yourself into the deep end and hoping that you can swim. Oh, absolutely. And that is so great. I'm glad you said that. It's fine to say I, I can't do it yet. But you will be able to get there because one thing for sure, you're going to always be their mom and he's going to always be their dad, right? I say that all the time, right. Andrea. Nothing's going right. to change that. And so we have to find a way where we could at least have a cordial conversation because there's, like you alluded to, there's va Christmases, there's vacations, there's graduations, there's all kinds of things, all ho different holidays. Um, there's going to be babies being born. There's going to be weddings. And so if you're at a place and space where you're not able to be in the same room as your um, ex-husband or ex-wife, then that's going to be very uncomfortable. I know for me, when my son graduated, of course, we were way past the bitterness and all of that stuff. He had moved on and been remarried and had another girlfriend. All I mean, we had really got past all of that stuff. So he, we were at my son's graduation and his high school graduation, that is, and we were fine. You know, no, I wasn't over there eating dinner with him or even sitting at the table with him but we were in the same room we were able to coexist and talk about the planning of the party and what the details and the graduation tickets and things of that nature but if I was in a space and place where I still wasn't able to talk to him that would have been very awkward at a and at a time that's supposed to be celebratory right right exactly and I think that's what makes those experiences so hard is it feels like the fact of being a two address family makes those occasions feel fraught and feel like there's static or friction in them like this is supposed to be awesome it used to feel awesome and now it's just this rather stilted awkward experience of being together and for for your listeners who are in that spot I really do encourage you to start and I know it sounds crazy mm -hmm. some form of a gratitude practice for your former partner because what that helps you to do is to start building something new that is based only on their strengths. Oh, wow. I think we often carry forth our, our tired and pain-filled divorce story into our co-parenting experience, and that really uh, doesn't allow a new thing to grow and, and breathe and thrive. And when we base it on what this person can do right and probably yeah. will do right, we really change the, the tone of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Andrea, that is amazing. A gratitude list. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Look, everybody that's listening, let's start doing this. Andrea just dropped a bomb on us right now. <laughs> if you're in that space, like the first thing, let's start and let's make a gratitude list. Andrea, oh my gosh, uh, I wish I would have known you 14 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me also profess that my first gratitude that I did when I was challenged to do that was 
I'm really grateful he's not here right now. So you start with something really believable. Don't start with, I think he's still awesome, and I think she's just awesome and so great. Don't start there. Start with what's believable and build up. The other thing I would challenge you is that gratitude list needs to not have any repeats on it. Because if all you're ever saying is, well, I'm glad she pays, or I'm glad he takes the kids on the weekend, right? And you just keep saying that over and over again. You're not expanding into any new places. If you can really challenge yourself to dig deeper, you'll start to put the spotlight on the things you want to have more of. It's just like with our kids. When our kids do something great, we talk about it so that they'll do more of it, right? Right. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So I know this is kind of, uh, well, it's under co-parenting, but I want to talk about um, some visitation and how some people have issues with that. You know, the court orders every other weekend or every week, one week here, one week at the other place. What do you suggest to your clients or recommend? I know um, we deal with that, of course. Visitation is part of going through a divorce, right? Especially Mm -hmm. when one parent has um, custody and then the other parent is non-custodial parents. So what do you um, advise at times like that? As far as the schedule to come up with or how to talk about it? Yes, how to talk about it. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just really profoundly uncomfortable, first of all. So if you're feeling that way, um, you're in the right spot. It's really awkward. And I think sometimes when we're in a situation where visitation is being scheduled as opposed to enjoying the freedoms that co-parenting is, it's often because one of the partners has violated some aspect of a previous order or has some reason to be a concern as far as from a health and safety perspective. And I think, you know, the amount of grace that we can offer other people as they struggle to show up to life in ways that are healthy and can give well to other people, it's going to serve us well to do that. But, you know, my heart goes out to people who are having to negotiate that. I think, again, focusing on what's good, focusing on what they can do right. And especially in those situations where the other parent is not an equally involved parent, Mm -hmm. you really have to take on the role of becoming the chief narrator of the divorce story because your kids are looking at this going, something's up. I'm not totally sure what it is. Things don't feel right. My parents don't seem comfortable. And your silence lets them tell their own story. And instead, as a as a responsible adult and as a loving parent, we really need to step in with those stories and say, this is what's happening. Now, do we need to get into the details? details? No. Right. But can we say, uh, it's really important that as your parents, we make sure we create the healthiest environment for you. And so that's what mom and I are figuring out, or that's what dad and I are trying to do. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I always say meet the children at their age-appropriate level. Explain to them what's going on. Be honest and truthful. That is so great. I love that. You know, I'm going to tell a story. I have a friend, and yeah. the uh, situation, and there may be some listeners out here now that's on this schedule, and I always say do what's best for your household. So, there, his child goes back and forth every other week to the, each parent. Um, so they pretty much have 50-50 um, custodial um, rights. So one week the child is at his house, the next he's at the mom's house. And that's what they do. Now that may not work for everyone, but again, 
do what works best for you and your child because at the end of the day you know what works best better than the court does right <laughs> absolutely and I, and I think holding whatever schedule you come up with holding it lightly because although that schedule might work for you and might work for your kid when you settle it and they're five years old it's not going to be what's going to work when they're 13 it's just not right and so you you the extent to which you lean on the court to be the the decider of that for you you really lose your sense of in, your your input that you get to put into it especially as the the first responder of your kids' lives. So I highly encourage people to not only make a schedule, but be aware that this is a snapshot schedule. It won't be the one that we have for 18 years. Absolutely, because when they turn 13 and 14, <laughs> oh, mom, I, I want to go spend the night with our friends, or dad, oh, I've got this going on, or especially if they get involved in sports, you can hang it up. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly, and it, and it ends up not being fair, and it doesn't seem right, but as you continue to put your kids first, which I think is a tricky phrase anyway, but as you continue to put your kids first, I, I think people find ways to ensure that the kids get what they need, even though at times it might mean that you don't get what you want. Oh, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Hand claps. Yay. Because <laughs> it's all about the kids <laughs> until they're 18. Yeah, you know, and I, I have sort of a, a complicated relationship with the phrase, put the kids first, because sometimes putting the kids first means... Twyla needs to get on a plane and go to Mexico for the weekend and just recover from a rough week. And sometimes what putting the kids first means, you know, dad needs to be on a phone call for the entire day and doesn't talk to you because he's making money to pay for soccer next year. Like putting the kids first doesn't always look like I'm looking my kids in the eyes and having this amazing, loving conversation. Right. And and I, so I think it's hard when people try to say, well, that isn't putting the kids first or that isn't putting the kids first. It, it's kind of a debatable perspective, I think. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, put yeah. the kids first, but in perspective, still don't minimize what you your self care. Do still take care of yourself at the same time. It's a balancing act, right? Right. It's tricky. Yes, it's tricky. I love it, Andrea. Oh my gosh, this has been an amazing conversation. So as we wrap up, are there any other nuggets? No, I'm going to say bombs because Andrea, you dropped some bombs. <laughs> Like I said, I wish I would have known you 14 years ago. You would have helped me tremendously as it relates to co-parenting. But I made it. Thank God for that. Yes, so is did. there anything else that you would like to share at this time as it relates to our topic tonight? Um, and then share all of your contact information on how people can stay in contact with you over your social media platforms. Sure. Yeah. You know, the last thing I would add is that, that I say that life with your co-parent is a three-legged race. Do you remember the three-legged races back when we were in yes. elementary school? And to me, there was always, there were three types of three-legged racers. There were the combative ones where you got paired with a kid and they just yelled at you the whole time when you were running. And then there was sort of the uninspired couple where they just didn't even care. They're like, we're going to lose this anyway. It really doesn't matter. Let's just get through it. And then there were the swift ones. And everybody wanted to be in the swift one where they just seemed like this gazelle floating across the, the grass to the finish line and they looked amazing and what they have found out about three-legged races from the world record holder is one partner has to lean forward 
in order for them to go faster. And I would just encourage your listeners, if they're listening to this, this means that they care a lot, that they are probably that partner that needs to lean forward in order to go faster. That might mean you do more. That might mean you schedule more. That might mean you pay more. But it serves the greater purpose of getting this co-parenting effort across this finish line by the time your kids are 18. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Yes. The three-layered race analogy. Love, love, love it, love it. <laughs> Co-parenting. And I would love to continue a conversation with anybody who's who's listening tonight or, or later on the replay. My website is andreahipsdivorcecoach.com. There's two Ps in hips, like the body part. And I have on there, you can sign up for my email list. I send out weekly emails. I've got a free communication guide if uh, talking with your former partner drives you crazy. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube under Andrea Hips Divorce Coach. And you can also buy my book on Amazon or you can buy it from my website. And I will put in a discount promo code for any of your listeners. The code is Twyla, of course. Awesome. And you can get a 25% discount on the book if you want to order it from my website. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to put that in the chat right now. That is awesome. Discount code. All right. Awesome. Well, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this was amazing for you and you found value in this. And please, please, please follow Andrea. She's amazing. And let's all work on our co-parenting relationship. If you are in that space or you know someone that's in that space, please share this. Man, you know what? Co-parenting can be done and it can be done right that's the key word right andrea co-parenting done right it can work it can work folks so again andrea thank you so much for being here it's been a pleasure and definitely an honor to have you on divorce talk with twyla twyla thank you for having me you are such a blessing to this industry and all of your messages just ring so true so thank you for letting me be part of your evening tonight oh you're welcome and you have a wonderful night so folks Thank you all for listening today and tune in next week. I have another amazing guest and I have the one and only Miss Andrea Stuckey. She's also a life coach and we will be having a conversation conversation about dating after divorce. Are you ready to get booed up? You want to tune in next week, dating after divorce. But until next week, we are out.